Okay, let's now turn uh, to the Word of God. You notice the text is still kind of long. I trimmed it a little bit. And um, let me put this on. Um, I trimmed it a little bit, but we're going we're gonna to go through it one more time. Next week we're going to be back in this text, but not the whole thing. And uh, as we go through it this time, I'll give us some, I'll punctuate it with some narrative. Um, how does Christ tell us, my brothers and sisters, little children, how does Christ tell us we should listen to his word? If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Mark chapter 13, uh, this Olivet Discourse is recorded in Matthew and Luke as well. Matthew is quite, more, is quite a bit more lengthy. Luke is about the same, almost exactly the same. Uh, and these kind, this, kind, this discourse is obviously um, the very end of Christ's life. So Christ's about to die. This is his last big sermon. What we noticed last week is he shifts gears and becomes, he starts becoming very prophetic. He starts talking about the end. He starts talking about the end times. So we're talking about this today. And I want to I spend today looking at the command happens three times in this text to watch, to watch. The watchman imagery in, in, in scripture is so ripe, it's so rich. Uh, and one of David's favorite words, he watches for God. Habakkuk is the famous prophet who sets himself up on the towers to watch. Uh, Ezekiel talks about himself as a watchman. Watchman. Watching. What are we watching for? What are we watching for in this text? And in, the, in those particular examples, uh, we're watching for danger and watching for God. Watching for God to come and, the, and his coming. So, so uh, one of the things I want to focus on today is what does it look like to be a people that watch? And that means like end times things, like looking at the end times and how we watch and how we read the signs of the times and how we think about it. And how does this text invite us to think about it? Next week, we'll do how, uh, the expression you introduced me to this week, uh, McLaren, how do we stay woke? How do we stay woke? And oddly enough, that, 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 that call, stay woke, uh, comes from Scripture. I think it's based in Scripture. Stay awake. It's a, it's a, and it comes out of a, uh, a probably it's, it's derivative from, that, from, that, uh, from, that, from our tradition. Mark chapter 13, uh, we're going to read it, and it is a little lengthy, but as I said, um, it's God's word. So I always figure if we read a lot of God's word, we can't go wrong, really. I can't mess that up, can I? My intonation might not be that great, but I can't mess up what Christ says. Christ is talking to his disciples. They have remarked and they have observed and they're looking across a, a beautiful valley. They can see the temple across from them. It glistens in the sun. It's magnificent. Its blocks are 37 feet long and 12 feet high. Beautiful and magnificent as Josephus describes it in his antiquities. We know we, we have the witnesses. And Jesus and they had asked him about it and he told them not one stone will be left on another. After he says that, they come to ask him, Peter, James, John, and Andrew come and say, when will these things happen? They want to know. They want a timeline. They want information. They want to know what's going to happen to them, to their country, to their temple. And Jesus began to say to them, let's see that no one leads you astray. Stop. Now I'm going to stop about every time we go through this. This is, a, this is an imperative. And there's a whole bunch of them. Why am, why, am I, why am I excited about this being an imperative? 
This is not meant to be to satisfy your curiosity about when the apocalypse is. It's meant to be a, a way to tell you how to live in light of the fact that the end is coming. It's an invitation to action, not to, not to merely to reflection. And how many of us would love to know what's going to happen at the end times, just so we could know? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Have the data. So uh, I want you to notice these, these commands come up again and again like this, and this is not meant to be an abstract discussion in theology. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. Stop. Well, apparently uh, San Francisco is the origin of a number of these guys. Uh, some guy named Krishna Venti. Uh, Jim Jones claimed to be Jesus. Uh, there, there's some other wacko out there who's claiming... There's probably somebody actually on our block right now, <laughs> outside on Market Street, who claims to be Jesus. Anybody? Well, we can probably test this and probably find out. It is amazing. Uh, you pull up your wiki page, and you'll find how many people, famous people, not even the infamous, not even people that are, some of them are infamous, some people that are not have no notoriety. How many people claim to be Jesus? How many people said this? So one of the most famous in my time was the Sun Young Moon, claiming to be God claiming to be Jesus. Cash money. I mean, look, I, I'm going to guarantee you that no, Deepak is not worried about anybody claiming to be Deepak after he's dead. I don't think anybody's going to do it. I don't think it's going to be worth it. I don't think it's going to be worth it for him. I'm even less likely anybody's going to do it for me. All right. Somebody might, who knows, somebody might think they're like you after you're dead. How many of us, though, when we're talking to people, would say, oh, by the way, McLaren, after I leave, everybody's going to say that they're me. It's like, really? Either Christ is an egoist beyond any measure, or he's what? He's, God, he's telling them something. And so they're to be prepared. And this has already come true. And this is why I'm, I'm punctuating this text as we go through it. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet... For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. <laughs> this is when labor starts. <laughs> There's, sometimes labor can be 36 hours. 40. <laughs> this is just the beginning. Uh, wars and rumors of wars. This is, uh, I didn't get a chance to verify this, but the, the, the soundbite was so cool. Uh, was it was one, uh, the independent website uh, uh, in, in Britain said that there's only 10 countries in the world right now that are not in a conflict. <laughs> only 10 nations in the whole world are not in a conflict right now. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Wars and ruins. This um, flies in the face of a lot of optimism about man, doesn't it? We're getting better, we're getting better. No, we're not. All right. But be on your guard. Now, this is, this is going to be, this is watch. This word is, uh, it means see, look, behold, look, watch, see it. Be on your guard. Watch, watch, watch. It's the word for seeing. See it, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand when you, what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever experienced that where you just feel like you're given words? Has anybody experienced this fulfillment where you were sitting talking to somebody, you're like, I don't even know how I said that. Does that happen to anybody here? 
It's happened to me. It's like, what? I'm never that smart. I'm never that wise, never that insightful, never that kind, never that loving, never that gentle, whatever it is. And you feel like you've been provided for. It happens in Acts, by the way. And the, 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 the leaders of the day take note that the men who are speaking had no education. People noticed. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Remember Christ said, anybody who loves his son or his wife or his kids or his parents more than me has no part of me? This is the fruit of, this is the reality of how separate things can be in your own family when you know God and somebody doesn't. They're not your family anymore. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be. Ooh, that's weird language. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Now that let the reader understand seems like it might be from Mark interjecting. It might also be Christ saying, let you understand when you read Daniel, because it's a direct quote from Daniel. When Daniel describes Antiochus Epiphanes in AD, I'm sorry, BC 168, he slaughtered a pig in the temple. Uh, remember Jews don't eat pigs? Big, big no-no. Set up an altar to Zeus, actually. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. This is AD 33. This actually happens in AD 70 when the temple's destroyed again. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house. Do you get that, that the stairs are outside the house? There's a little local color touch there. Uh, it's like a pueblo. It's not a stairwell inside, it's outside. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. Don't even reach for your jacket. And last for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. Okay, what the heck does that mean? You were allowed to pray about the apocalypse? Or about, yeah. So I decided I'd pray about it this week. All right. For in those days there will be such tribulation as not been since the beginning of the creation that God created until now, and it never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short those days, no matter, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, his chosen, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Who's in control the whole time? God. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. Okay, people have said they're Jesus. People have also said they know when Jesus is coming. By the way, the entire Bay Area was caught off in Harold Camping. Does anybody, does anybody know the Harold Camping story? It was a big local hero, big folk, and he predicted the end, the end times that Christ was going to come in May 2011, and the earth would be destroyed in October 2011. It's not surprising that in October 2011, he had a stroke. <laughs> he did. Devastated times. Uh, this happened to the Jehovah's Witnesses. I think it's kind of a relief when it happens. I don't get it. We, we're we're going to see here, nobody knows the hour of the day. Why am I pointing all this out? I want you to get the picture. It's already being fulfilled. It's already happening. It's already being enacted. Each piece in part. Each piece in each part. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray. If possible, the elect but be on guard. There it is again. There's a, there's a second imperative. Watch. Look out. Pay attention. I have told you all things beforehand. 
But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. All of a sudden, the language gets extraordinary nature, and everything is happening. It sounds like the end of all time, because that's what he's beginning to describe. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. Does anybody remember? He just destroyed a fig tree, remember? One did not give him fruit. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Very, very troublesome verse in the New Testament, guys. Very, very troublesome to a lot of people. I hope we'll see some clarity about it today. Heaven and earth will pass away. We looked at this last week. Christ talks like nobody talks. He's either a madman or he's God because he says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. This is the third one. Be on guard. Watch. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. Second one for stay awake. For you do not know that when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight, midnight when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly to find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay woke. <laughs> and that's the last, that, that last text is what we'll be looking at next week. Let's pray. Father, we ask for power with your word, wisdom to understand it and apply it that will flow from you. And we ask for that wisdom that we can watch, so we can see. We can perceive the times. We can perceive in our culture what's going on and have wisdom about it. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, I was excited about getting you an eternal perspective. And I, well, last week was one of those sermons when I was done with it, I felt like I failed. And, I'm not, and I, I feel like that all the time, so it's no big deal. But, but, uh, but it was one of those things where I, I felt uncertain about how much information I was trying to get across. This is a big text, right? It's a lot here. And so, but one of the things I said was, you notice, um, I want us to understand to watch, know how to watch. And I think this text is trying to teach us how to watch for things. And one of the things it's inviting us into is the way Jesus thinks. Think about this. You're being invited into his perspective, and that's how you watch. How do you watch? Remember, one of the things we looked at last week was Christ is looking forward, and he's describing, and some, some of those descriptions describe the cross, some of them describe A.D. 70, the work of God in A.D. 70. Some of them describe everything from A.D. 70 to A.D. 2017. Some of them describe the end, the end of all things. Now, I love the way that, I think it's Calvin put it this way, but um, I love this idea, and it may kind of make sense, but, but what's happening, what Christ thinks about this is he talks about this generation will not pass away, that, that language of now. Some people are like, you know what, Those, the Christians were so naive. They thought it was all going to come together, and it didn't happen. But they don't understand eternal perspective, and that's the only way you're going to get how to live. What, what I mean by this is this. Ever since Christ arose, rose into heaven and ascended, 
This has all been the end times. We have been in the end times ever since then because we're in God's clock. And so, how do you, and so he's inviting us to watch and see the big story. And what I'm saying here is, look, you have redemption, redemption, uh, redem, uh, don't, I'm sorry, redemption, uh, it's in there. Redemption, uh, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes down, consummation, which is when all things happen. And the way Christ thinks is this is all one big event. Oh, it might be separated by thousands of years. It doesn't matter. Because remember, for our Father in heaven, from eternity, he doesn't see 1977, 2017, 1117, and 87, 83. He doesn't, that's not his perspective. All of time is below him in eternity. He doesn't exist in time at all. So every period and piece and part of time, every episode, every second, every moment of history, he sees as one whole in which he is at work from beginning to end. What are we being invited into? Despite how bad things are, despite who gets elected, despite, despite the loss of liberties, despite whatever happens, despite wars, rumors of wars, persecutions, insanity on the street, what are we invited into? One big perspective. Because when he says this generation shall not pass away, we know from Greek and Hebrew that generation can refer to a lot or a little. It could be very specific. Some of this prophecy is very specific in the destruction of the temple, but some of it's very general. And it constantly describes what Christians are enduring, what we are seeing, what we're hearing in the world ever since he arose, ever since he ascended. And so it is of one piece and one part and one reality that eternity has come and the rescue of God and his love is present. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many cults and how many crazy people are out there. It doesn't matter who's lying. It doesn't matter who's deceiving. It doesn't matter whether they're dragging you in and killing you. It doesn't matter if your family hates you. It does not matter. Why? Because the eternal God, this, etern this is how you watch. Put on the eyes of eternal love and eternal work and an eternal king. Who's talking? Somebody whose words burn brighter and longer than the sun. There you go. That's, who That's what you got. How do we endure the turmoil of this world? We need perspective. This is what this text is about. It's all about perspective. <laughs> get perspective. I get excited about this because it's a different way from us thinking. We are linear people. Well, we're tend to be very, you know, scientific. We'll put it scientific. I don't want to say linear yet. We want to say scientific because I have another point, the next point. The way, the way that, all right, so this is very different than the way our world thinks. You cannot watch if you think watching is merely collecting data. You're not going to get what it means to be on guard, to watch and to pay attention unless you get an eternal perspective. Make, it makes sense? This is going to help us see through our world. Um, on a related issue, this is on the issue of gay marriage, for example. I remember there was a very popular retort. People said they didn't want to be on the wrong side of history. Has anybody heard that? I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. 
and they used it with uh, the, the question of slavery and things like that, although that equation seems horrible to me, uh, a horrible trivializing of the suffering of, of, the, of the slave trade. Um, but, but, what, what are they saying when they say that? Our only perspective is what is now and what is, we're the smartest people have ever lived. We're the smartest people. We have a perspective right now, scientifically, materially, and intellectually, and we, we, we know what reality is. And don't you don't want to be backwards and back at, you don't, or do you believe in a flat earth, Kyle? Come on. You guys are on the, you guys are hitting, and what, what are they doing? They're saying they have a meta view, they have a meta view that's greater, and the modern man and his scientific ability and his enlightened sensitivity and his modernity is what? He's the one that knows what truth is. What is God saying? What is Christ saying in the scripture? I am speaking truth. I am laying truth down. I'm dropping the mic all the time. I always speak the truth. And I'm telling you what's true from an eternal perspective. The only way to be on the wrong side of history is to not know God as God. <laughs> Does that make sense? The only way to be on the wrong side of history is to what? Not have the eternal perspective. Because if you don't have this perspective, you don't know how to watch. You don't know how to watch. Because you don't see the unfolding of a purposeful, personal, eternal, sovereign God. The world constantly makes sense and looks terrifying. Christ is saying, you'll see all this stuff. That, don't be terrified. I'm predicting it so you know I already know about it. Don't be terrified. I'm in control. In fact, in fact, in fact, my father is going to cut things short whenever it gets to. Right? We're, we, we got this handled from an eternal perspective. That's how you watch. The second thing I noticed here, it's kind of, it's kind of intriguing. The second observation about this text is a rejection of ancient worldviews, as well as modern ones. Very popular now. How many of you uh, like uh, Neil? Neil Thank you. I'm to say Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> I like Neil Patrick Harris too, but Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, if you watch the show, he's wonderful. He really is an amazing, amazing communicator of truth, and I really enjoy learning about learning about science through him. But one of the things that's being pitched now by the scientific world is cycles. The idea of the world is, an eternal, is in an eternal cycle. And there's an infinite number of universes. If there's an infinite number of universes, called a, what, sometimes they call it a multiverse. A multiverse. And there's an infinite number of universes spinning on. And they're all infinitely kind of going through cycles of birth and rebirth and chaos and destruction and birth. And, re and everything that's happened will happen again. Everything that's happened before will happen again. And, oh, you know, what's, you know what's amazing about this worldview? This is what they concluded in Upanishads in the Vedic hymns of ancient, Buddha, ancient Hinduism. What's the world? It's an endless cycle. What if, if the world's just an endless cycle and everything that's happened will happen again, nothing matters. Evie, in one universe you get up and walk out. In another universe you set the world on fire. In another, this universe you sit here. In another, it just doesn't matter. And you did this this time and the next time you'll do something else. And just, what does it matter? You know, what is it, nothing, everything's just an endless, endless slog. This was the ancient view of the world. You ever seen a dragon or a snake eating its tail? You ever seen that? That's an image of a cosmology, a view of the world, that everything just goes round and round and round and round. And, the, and I'll tell you one thing I do love about the, and this is something that Neil deGrasse Tyson, I don't think, has the wisdom to see, 
but some of the old sages, even of, of, of in the Muslim, in the, uh, in the Hindu world did. You know why they, what they realized? If that's true, nothing means anything. If that's true, Adele, you are stuck in hell. It's gonna happen again, nothing matters. You take a deeper look at what these ideas really mean, but the circular view of history held sway in every pagan culture. Do you know who destroyed that view of history? What's the Western view? Comes out of the, comes out of the Bible. What do you notice about this view, what this view of time? It's not cyclical. <laughs> it's not cyclical at all. Everything is going to an end and a purpose, a telos. That's actually the word being used. And this idea that everything is moving purposefully to a particular goal and end. All right, watch then. You see why there's something to watch for? In the circular world, there's nothing to watch for. It's like, all right, you can watch, but who cares? I mean, oh, you could watch, but it doesn't, it, it, pretty, it exhausts itself. It doesn't, doesn't invite you to continue to look. But if there's, if there's an end to the story, well, there's something to read. You know, I stopped reading, um, anybody read the Eye of the World series at all? It's like a dozen volumes, wasn't it? It's insane. There's a point at which some of these fantasy sagas get so long, I gave up with uh, Game of Thrones before it became a show because at the third volume, I'm like, oh gosh, this is exhausting. This is so much information. I can't keep track of it all. I can't keep on top of it. And, and so, um, uh, but we know how the story ends. And he, Jesus is inviting us to start paying attention to the story. It's a completely different way of watching, you see. What are we watching for? And how do we watch? I love you guys. I, wanna, I, want, us to be a good, I want us to be a good church of Christ. A good church, a good community of faith. You hear stories about churches. And, I want to share a story about a church in southern France. Deepak actually did, I wrote a paper on this a couple years ago, and we were talking about it this week. And I love this story. I first heard it in the south of France. And this uh, pastor, I, forget, I can look, I wrote it down, but um, he had taught his church that, that um, in light of this, in light of the end times, that God would always have a purpose for us in his story. Always. There will come a time, somewhere in this story, 2017, there'll come a time in this great scheme of redemption, Pentecost, consummation, and all the different work of God, there'll come a time in the unfolding of the linear point of history towards the end, there will come a time when we have to do something. And I don't even know what it's going to be. If Christ's words are true, we can watch and we can see and we can track that he has been accurate. People said they were him. People said there he is. People are wars and rumors of wars. It's just everything's unfolded. Things have gotten better. Things have just gotten progressively worse. So there's a, everything, everything he's saying, he's saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. Look around your world and trust me. Watch your world with my perspective because God is on the roots. God is achieving his plan. And this church, this particular little church in the 30s had been heard from their pastor and over and over again that God, the sovereign God and the king has control of history and we have a place and a part to play in it. In the text it's right there. Did you notice it? You, you bear my witnesses before all nations. Uh, bear my witness in verse 9 and the gospel is first proclaimed to all nations. Yes! 
We are a place. We're a part. This is our story too. It's not just God's. It's ours. We've been touched by our story. We just know people. Have anybody known anybody that's gotten seduced by a cult? I know people that have lost children, lost children or something. Anybody seen somebody deceived by a leader saying there he is? Anybody damaged because, or I know people are damaged because of war? I do. Well, this is the detritus of the stories all around us. It's ruin. It's collapse. So this little town, he kept preaching to them about it. And then the Nazis took over France. And without being instructed, because they knew the story, because they knew that God's purposes were afoot and they were a part of them, they, took, they started taking Jews in, getting them into Switzerland, one way after another. Some say they're up to 5,000. They kept healing, and they did more. And the, the story, they were awarded awards as an entire town as they, with one person, as the church of God, became alerted to a crisis, the, end, the wars were coming, right? The wars, a madman's in power. And what did the church begin? The church didn't need, need to be told to be the arm and the place and the instrument and the avenue and the work of love and the proclamation of his love to the nations. And they did it right there by word and deed. It's an amazing story. They were all, of, uh, there were only two towns that were like this, apparently, in all of, the, in all of uh, one was in, one was in, uh, what was in Holland. And, and they were, the whole town did this. They knew what to do because they, had, they knew the gospel and they knew who God was. They knew his plan and they had a perspective and they were watching. I wonder what, what our place will be. What place or role will you have or will we have together in the unfolding of the end times. Because we're in the last days already. We need to watch. The story gets even better. They had cues for the Jews to tell them when to run and when to hide, when the Nazis would come and look for them. And I love this. Do you know one of the ways they, they would tell them that everything was okay when they were in the woods and they were hiding? It's a very mountainous area. Christians would go into the woods and begin to sing hymns and praise God. And they knew when the Christians were praising God, it was safe to come back. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? To imagine, wouldn't it be beautiful to imagine that our, our praises would be a message that everything's okay? A place to hide in the onslaught of the end, the end times. How do we watch? We watch through worship. The worship of Christ, our Savior, our King, our Lord, whose words of love for you and for me, whose words of love will never fade away, and whose words of prediction cannot be countered whose words drip with accuracy as if he knew what it would be like to live 2,000 years later in San Francisco. Yes, because the same Christ who predicts the future controls the future, and the faith of who controls the future had deposited his Holy Spirit in us to equip us to know how to navigate it, and then gave us his blood. And so everything he says is true. Everything he says is true. Everything he has said to you and me 
will outlast and outburn the sun. Praise him. Why is getting a picture of the glory of Christ so important? If we put Christ over all this and the revelation of, his, of the cross and his glory over everything. Because it, it, it clarifies the heart. It clarifies, it gives us new direction and wisdom and insight. Uh, it means that there's an end coming and things make sense in a story. Let's follow me here. Um, one of the things we do, oh, I'm gonna wanna kinda end with this. When I became a Christian in 1974, 1974, long, not long after that, uh, there was end times fever in the church. You guys are all too young to remember this. Anybody, anybody old enough to remember this besides me? I'm looking at you, John. I don't know how old you are, though. Um, but I, end times fervor hit the church. Hal Lindsey, and you won't know this, this, this book because it's not worth knowing, really. But he wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. I remember the picture cover. You know, one of the fun things as a kid being in the church, we got into the church at this time, is the pictures. People drew, people drew up what the end times looked like, the apocalypse. Can you, can you imagine anything more entertaining to a child than seeing pictures of the apocalypse? It's cool. You know, I mean, there's like, you know, fire and it's just, it's awesome. It's entertaining. It's entertaining, isn't it? It caught the ears and tickled the ears of everybody. And um, the fervor uh, kind of climaxed in people like Harold Camping saying they knew the end times. I remember the pictures. I remember the, the, the preaching about it. I remember the excitement that somehow maybe we're in the last days. People thought they had data. Do you get now that it's not about getting data? It's about like seasons, like watching the season and knowing that things are coming to fruition. But you don't get the hard, the hard numbers. Why? Because that doesn't even belong to the Son. It belongs only to the Father. Anybody who even pretends to do that, just please run away from them. Anybody ever tells you they know when God's coming? Please run away from them. Please, just run away. Run away. But it caught my imagination. What's the wrong kind of watching we might do when it comes to the end times? What's the wrong kind of watching? Entertainment. I mean, we like to watch disasters, don't we? I, I love watching disasters. How many people saw San Andreas? I mean, The Rock. The Rock saved his kids in middle you got to watch this if you're in San Francisco, by the way. You have to. There's all sorts of like local stuff and everything. And if you imagine tidal wave hitting San Francisco, you might think twice about living here. It is so cool, especially when this tidal wave hits the Golden Gate Bridge, and they're kind of going up this tidal wave trying to get over it, and then this big tanker comes up over them like this, this big like oil tanker. It's so cool. I'm doing right there, and we do as a subculture what the church was doing in the 70s. There's something kind of exciting about this. Ooh, we get to watch it. Ooh, you know what's even better? They're all gonna burn. All those bad people are gonna get punished. This is fun. Where's the popcorn? <laughs> like if you hear this, and I just a lot of Christians, this is their attitude about the end times. Where's the popcorn? 
Where's the popcorn? What's the call to watch involved here? A passionate love for Jesus. And the story of the end times is a part of your story as you proclaim and bear witness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, put this down here. This is the way that little town in France acted when it was, in, when it had to, when it was confronted with the need of the hour. I don't know what the need of the hour is going to be, guys. I only know there will be one. And that's what I do know. That's what Christ is telling us. There's going to be needs. There's going to be threats. There's going to be dangers. There's going to be family failures. There's going to be false teachers. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be danger. There's going to be wars. I, I can tell you there's going to be a crisis for us. I can't tell you what's going to be. I can tell you, don't ask for popcorn. Don't have an attitude of being a spectator. Let us grab Christ. Let us watch for him with that expectant joy that maybe our Savior will come in his love any moment, any day to wrap, all, wrap it all up and gather me finally into his presence. Let us watch. Let us pay attention. Let us focus now on the great eternal work of God, all working towards the end. Let us become people and agents in it who are proclaiming. Let us become a part of the story of the unfolding glory of eternity and the presence of the Son and His love and His salvation and His rescue. Let's do it. Come on, let's do it. I don't want to do anything. Let's do, let's do this. Let's do it. I'm excited about that. Let's do it. I know it's going to be scary, but we're being told he's in control, and we have the eternal perspective, and we have the invitation, and we have the opportunity to worship and to, to, to applaud him and to trust all of his words forever. And we have, we have Christ. And uh, that's what this text, that's what he's telling them. Praise him. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for sharing with us this eternal perspective you had. That's how we can watch. What other way will we watch? Forgive us for believing, falling for the folly of scientists who talk about things they don't know anything about. You have history in your hands, and you're bringing it all to conclusion. And you know when the gig is up, Father. And you know when your son will appear in the clouds. And you know the wars that we're afraid of and the, the cultists that, that lie and the, and, the, and the culture that persecutes. You know all that stuff. You know what's going to happen in our culture. And we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to try to figure it out and we don't have to know. We have to trust you. And that's the perspective. We have to worship your son. Oh, how we praise you, Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Thank you for sharing with us a part of what you know about these days we live in, these last days. And uh, guide us. We finally ask, would you show us our forgiveness in Jesus, your son? Holy Spirit, would you seal his love in us with new joy? But more than that, more than that, more, just um, fill us so that we can tell people. Help Teach us how to trust that Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, you Holy Spirit. Teach us how to trust you that you're giving us words at school, at work, with our family, 
with our bosses, at the coffee shop, at the water cooler, at the copy machine, and wherever, every place at the bar, every place, and we take us. For we want to be a part of your story, the story, the beautiful story of your love and your power and your eternity. Father, I knew, Lord, Lord Jesus, I know that when you were teaching this, you, you, you knew that we'd be reading it later. And uh, thank you for, thanks for the heads up. Now, now that you've given us the heads up, give us the Holy Spirit so we know what to do when it happens. In Jesus' name, amen. Good stuff, huh? Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun to see that? Maybe I'm the only one that's excited about it. Let's turn to Christ now. Let's turn to Christ now. Um, on the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ... Hold on a second. Our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Um, so, uh, uh, eternal perspective, practical. <laughs> Christ, I got this this all the time. Eternal perspective, salvation, tiny little cup and bread. Does this all the time. Eternal perspective. So I encourage you. So I know a lot of us have been in different places, and we need, we need and want the joy of knowing Jesus loves us. His words never, never fade away, never pass away. So in the table, he said, sinners, uh, know their sin, have, have forgiveness because we know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit seals the grace of God in our hearts. We, every week we do this. Why do we do this every single freaking week? This is watching, guys. We're watching. Eyes on Christ. Eyes on Christ. Eyes on Christ. Eyes on Christ. You know, I, I, do, I do offense every week, and I'm not doing it this week. I mean, I'll do it if, you know, look, you know, if you don't know God, and I know everybody in this room, if you don't know God, then we need, you just need to come out and fess up. But, you know, I do want to say this. Um, don't ever not come to the table because you're struggling with sin. Because if you're struggling, that means you have the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you guys. This is a big table and a big, big, big love, an eternal love. So, I want to encourage you with joy to come to the table today. We all know what happens at this point, so um, let's celebrate this table. How many of you guys like the Nicene Creed? I know it's getting a little long, but Simon does. I love it. One of the reasons I. One of the reasons. Um, I like it so much was uh, when um, I don't remember who did this. I might have been Melody. Uh, I can't remember. But somebody came up to me and asked me, what does very God of very God mean? That's exactly why this is printed up. I want, I want, if you have questions about the Nicene Creed as adopted by the church in the year 325, will you, will you come, 326, will you, will you come and uh, ask me about it? Because this statement, this is, this is adopted by the whole church. This is it. Uh, the Athanasian comes afterwards, et cetera. But this is, this is the Declaration of the Church. So it's there. So just kind of, we keep saying it to cement in our minds good theology. 
Let's stand. Tell me, Christians, brothers and sisters, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not created, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who when and our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, and was made man. And was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen and amen.